Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting. News the networks refuse to use. No doubt continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the 11th in the year of our Lord 2023. This is our two of two. The goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, the United States of America, to use the incredible, brilliant checks and balances put in place by the founding fathers, incredibly brilliant folks, to reject revolution, to stand for peaceful restoration. Chris Carlson with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yes, sir. Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson, reporting for duty, sir. All right. Let's talk about the Founding Father-esque reality a little bit of term limits. Chris wants to revisit this issue. And let me be very clear about the Founding Fathers. Most people believe it's all or nothing. Uh, and it seems to be that you're one of them, Chris. Uh, the Founding Fathers didn't 100% reject term limits, and they didn't 100% embrace term limits. What they created was a check and balance in the system always. And that's why we have term limits, believe it or not, set up by the Founding Fathers for some offices, but not others. And the offices that were furthest away from the people ended up getting term limits. The offices that are the closest to the people don't have term limits. Why? Because the people have an obligation to use their uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, responsibility to vote, et cetera, wisely. And so, for example, the president has term limits, two terms, because, yes, he yeah. could get so powerful that he could absolutely destroy you. He's in office for four years at a time. Now, senators are for six years. But remember, the senators were supposed to be elected by the state representatives, not by the people. That was a destruction of the checks and balances that I'm so favorable of. Okay, so that's why they're entrenched. All they got to get elected is twice, and they're in place for 18 years because it was never intended for the senators to be elected by the people in the first place. That's a, mis a misnomer via the 17th Amendment manipulation. Uh, okay, but the, the house closest to the people, the house, is only every two years. That was already the Founding Fathers' attempt to reduce how long they're in office. Then they gave us a chance to get rid of them every two years. So for a congressman to serve for a long time, just say 20 years, he has to go through literally, what, 11 elections? 10 elections? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so sir, you just cut out. You've, you've got 10 times to get rid of him. And if you don't take any of those opportunities, shame on you, and there's nothing we can do. Okay, so the Founding Fathers did not hate term limits completely and did not reject them out of hand. They wisely realized that we need to have a check and a balance in the system. And everything they did had that wisdom to it. Let's make sure that the further away government gets from the people, the more we limit them. The closer the government is to the people, we shouldn't limit them. We should leave that in the hands of the people. We don't have a democratic republic. That's what people lie and believe we have. We have a constitutional republic. And those checks and balances highlight the brilliance of the supreme law of the land and the Constitution that I'm highlighting, Chris. So anyway, I wanted to set yeah. the record straight on the truth regarding term limits and the founders. Yeah, no, the founders, they, they did not impose term limits into the Constitution. 
But they did uh, indicate that, that there would be one representative for every 30,000 people. That's something that we've gone away from. And I think if that were uh, upheld today, we would have a lot more representatives. It would be a lot harder to bribe them and to control them. And I, w I would like to go back to that type of a – well, that's written in the Constitution, but we've gone away from it. So there would literally be – Now, hold on. If you say to me, Sam – if you say to me, Sam, do I think that we should have the appropriate amount of uh, individuals or American citizens to the representation that the Founding Fathers set out constitutionally? Absolutely. Let's return yep. to the Constitution. Let's not try to rewrite it is the point. Yep. No, I, I'm with you there. And Term limits, rewrite out. it. Representation okay. is appropriately already defined. Let's move to it without question. Yeah. I have no issue with that. I just think when we rewrite it, we go and we, we literally jettison tried and true evidence and we go in untried, untested, unproven paths. That's my concern, and I just don't think it's wise. Let's stick with well, what we know works. Let's return to what yep. we know works. And let's, let's return, not go yeah, down tried and untrued paths. Let's, let's stick with it. The problem isn't that we're that we need to try an untrue path. What the problem is, we're not obeying what we already know to work. Yeah. No, if all the provisions of the Constitution were being abided by, we wouldn't have this discussion. We wouldn't have to. It, we would all have right. a, a much sounder government. It would be like a thousand times smaller as well. Anyway, we talked yeah, about... But, but um, listen, here's the point. Yes. Even good men and women when placed in power for long periods of time, lose touch with reality and turn towards gaining power under themselves. It is a problem. Right. Thomas Paine gave us a quote to really articulate the reality here, Chris. Yes, he said, of more worth is one honest man to society, and I would include woman nowadays, and in the sight of God, than all the crowned ruffians that ever lived. He's talking about, of course, uh, King George III specifically and, you know, kings of England uh, more generally. And I would agree with that. It's not necessarily that kings are evil. What happens is human nature comes out when people are placed in positions of power. And to back me up on that, I've got a quote from a scripture. Uh, this is a scripture from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in their book called Doctrine and Covenants. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's a... Uh, it says, we have learned by sad experience that it is nature and disposition of almost all men, as soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. And we have learned by sad experience. You give somebody that seems like a nice guy, you give that person some power and some authority, and you'll find out you know, how honest that person really is. And nine times out of ten... That person will exercise unrighteous dominion. And that's one of the arguments I use in favor of term limits. Because too much power leads uh, to too much corruption, leads to bad results. It's a tragic reality that we face, ladies and gentlemen. And look, uh, you bring this up in the notes that you sent me, and I completely agree. You know, you wouldn't trust Sam Bushman to be your king. And I completely no, I, agree. In fact, I would refuse uh, to be a king if I was given that much power. I would absolutely turn it down because it would destroy me and destroy society. Wise men and women reject the nature of a king. Uh, even George Washington had the opportunity to basically be a king. He rejected yes. the notion. He walked away. 
and wise moral servants of God always whack away, walk away from that kind of power and authority. Chris? Yeah, he was a good man. I wish we could clone him. But we can't. What we can do is try to mirror our lives uh, and learn from him. I want to mirror my life after Jesus Christ, and I want to learn from George Washington. How's that? Uh, I think we lost Chris again. We'll go ahead and get Chris back. Uh, Again, cell phone technology at its best, ladies and gentlemen. We'll try to work on better connectivity options for Chris. Uh, But anyway, um, Thomas Paine is really wise when he points out, though, that a man who follows God of more worth is one honest man to society and in the sight of God than all the crowned ruffians that ever lived. It's a really important quote uh, from Thomas Paine on this, and it highlights the reality. The scripture that Chris quoted, again, we learn from sad experience that, look, when you give people power, it goes wrong. There's no doubt about it. In very few instances does it not go wrong. And so we need to remember that that's why we should, for the most part, in my opinion, look, what if you had, what if Americans had this attitude, Chris? I'm going to only let a senator serve one term, and I'm only going to let a congressman serve one term. Mm, you'd have a lame duck. To the for, minimum. <laughs> that, that would not be good either, because then you'd have a lame duck 100% of the time, Sam. Oh, yeah. So what if we <laughs> said we might let you serve a second term? It depends on how good you are. But you're not going to serve more than two because we're going to remove you. There's not a law. There's just a... Uh, you know what? We'll give you we'll give you one chance. We'll give you two chances, and that's it. You know, kind of a thing. Uh, the The problem is, see, that can backfire. Where do we go with this? And the answer is, there's no good answer, unless the people yeah. watch their representatives, and if they're good, keep them, and if they're bad, reject them. And as they slowly but surely get bad, which ninety percent plus do, then we get rid of them when it's time, right? We need to take that yep. responsibility seriously. And that's the problem. Americans are more interested in the Super Bowl than they are making sure their congressman does what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And then, you know, sarcastically, I ask people, well, how's that working out for you? Because I, for the last 22 years, as you know, Sam, I have not voted for one individual on a national level that has ever won. And I'm content with that. I wish they would have won, but I always vote for uh, third party candidates. And uh, I won't vote for a Republican for the most part, and I definitely won't vote for a Democrat. So it's not working out, but at least I can sleep well at night. And, um, yeah, I'll just keep doing it as, as, as far as that's concerned. But um, – and I know, I know that you're going to get rid of some good apples, but I say – and this is, this is what I wrote in preparation for, for this aspect of the discussion, Sam – and for those who say that term limits would eliminate, oops, we'll have to wait until the other side of the break. You got it, but we'll do it in seconds. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman on your radio. We're talking about honesty in government. How's the best way forward, folks? Huh? Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? 
Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the line of Judah. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. you with us ladies and gentlemen chris carlson sam bushman on your radio hard-hitting talk at your fingertips we're talking about honest people we're talking about morality we're talking about when power gets a hold of someone boy howdy does it go wrong whether it's money power fame all those things destroy people ladies and gentlemen there's rare exceptions to that reality that's why the savior jesus christ taught you know what it's harder for what? To go through the eye of a needle? For a camel to go through the eye of a needle? Think about that, folks. It's really making the point that, you know what, it's too easy to get distracted. We, the people, don't remember well enough. Remember our God. Remember our place. You know what? We're no better or we're no greater or less than any other God uh, or any other of God's children. We're no more or no less than any other of God's children. We need to remember that reality, but it's very, very hard when you have fame and fortune and servants and people doing your bidding. And you know what? It's so easy to lose sight uh, of the truth, Chris. Yeah, it really, um, and, and the idolatrous, and the media promotes it on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I, you watch commercials nowadays, you watch movies. Uh, idolatry is promoted, I think, Pinker, just as well. And I think that has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about in uh, Alan Hayes, who won the lottery. And it really ties into what we've been talking about. When you get uh, a little power and authority, you immediately begin to abuse it and to act differently than you would otherwise. So the story Chris is talking about, the headline for this one, from lottery to robbery, how to lose $13 million in your freedom. 
This highlights the point yeah. very succinctly, Chris. Well, you, and you would think if somebody won $19 million that they'd be set for the rest of their lives. Uh, and I would. And if you had won that much money, Sam, you would. I mean, you would uh, increase your, your range of influence on your radio program. I know what you would do with that money. And it would be a huge blessing, not only for you, but for your audience. You would expand it and you could do a heck of a lot more. But unfortunately, there's a statistic that I looked up in connection but with. But before uh, we go on, before we get those statistics and before we go on, Chris, I want to point out, you know, what would I do if I got a lot of money? Uh, and I'd be interested in, yeah. in your answer to the question as well, Chris. But let me tell you what I would do if I got a lot of money. The first thing okay. I would do is put it in the hands of honest, trusted people who understand investing and understand uh, proper money management. And what I would have them do is put me on a salary uh, that would be at minimal but reasonable. And let me tell you what I mean by minimal. If I was a multimillionaire, minimal you know, it would be a salary of, say, oh, I don't know, maybe 120 grand a year, 10 grand a month, right? Uh-huh. And I would live on that minimal salary for the rest of my life. And uh, yes. I would invest separately from my personal salary, and I would live uh, separate from my personal uh, wealth. And the reason I would set that separation and put a, 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 a firewall in place and I would live on that minimal salary. And I know somebody is going, Sam, 120 grand ain't minimal. I understand. But if you're a multimillionaire, it is. All right. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't you know, okay. But it's not a lot of money. 120 grand isn't getting rich. It's not poor. It's fine. It's, you're stable for the rest of your life if you're careful. But I would separate and put that firewall in place to prevent me from doing the things that I wouldn't want to do. Right. Okay. And I know that it's like, well, I don't need protection. I'm in charge of myself. You know what? It doesn't happen all at once. Nobody wakes up and goes, I'm going to cheat on my spouse today. Okay. What happens is it's a little bit at a time. You get lulled into a sense of carnal security. You, you pretend that things haven't changed when they have. And so that's the first thing that I would do. And then I would have these investors invest in my wealth. Now, I also would not pass along big wealth to my children. I might help them get a start on a home or help them get a college education or help them do some things. Uh, But Shaquille O'Neal highlighted this perfectly. Here's what he says to his children when they say something like, we're rich. He says, you're not rich. I'm rich. There's only one way for you to get rich, and that's to work hard. (laughs) All right? But it's also kind of like Marie Osmond, who says, I'm not going to pass my wealth to my children. They need to earn it themselves. And so I would not pass a lot of wealth to my children, and I would not live on a lot of wealth. I would basically put myself on this budget, separate it, and then I would have others use my money in maybe even ways that I direct or that I give input on. But I would make sure that, it, that my separate personal life is lived in a mere mortal way, and I would ensure that to be the case. What would you do if you ran into a lot of money, Chris? Well, that, that's a good point. I, I would probably take a similar approach. What I would do with my children, as far as that's concerned, is I would say, yeah, I've got I've got a blessing with you. So I'll tell you what, you know, for every degree that you earn in college that will help you to become prosperous and provide for your family, I will give you a certain amount of money to encourage them to uh, become self-sufficient themselves. So something like that. 
And um, I would make sure that at the end of uh, my life, I have just as much money as I have right now. So there's a way to do it because money has time value, as you very well know, Sam. You, in fact, if you're really smart to find people that would invest in it, you could actually end up with more money at the end of your life than you had when you won the lottery or whatever. That's right. But if I did so that, see, would it do. wouldn't change my lifestyle much intentionally, though, Chris. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. It wouldn't. And unfortunately, and that is that, the point. Um, lottery. Yes, yes. That's the point. They end up losing it all within five years. Seventy percent of people that win lottery end up in five years. And that is mind blowing. And I thought about that and I thought, well, are, is the average person that dumb? No. The average person doesn't invest in the lottery because they all just against them. So the people that are winning that money are not the most um, they're, they're not the brightest bulb in the pack, put it that way. So that, that's why that statistic is there. Because I, I invest in the lottery about as much as I watch the Super Bowl, which is never. Because I well, can do – I'm not it. very most good with people, math, man, but that kind of math – Most people who I'm are really wise don't, don't throw their money away in the Super Bowl – or I mean, don't throw their money away in the lottery anyway. But those who do, though, they're not stupid. Um, but most of them, it doesn't start bad. It, most of them mean well with their money. But I, I'd be interested to know 70% – lose all their wealth within five years. What percent when it goes to 10 years, 15 years? That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, but I'm it's, saying the number's yeah, got to be higher. Seventy. Right. And so you look at that and you go, yeah. does it help people's lives? Yeah, you think. And the answer is rarely. Yeah. Okay. So now it would be lying. Well, and then that money, he ended up having to rob banks to sustain a drug habit. That drug habit was directly related to him winning the lottery. But, you know, maybe that's just a reflection of what type of character or lack thereof James Allen Hayes uh, has. But, I mean, it's an interesting I thought I'd share it with you because with about when people get a little power, with money is power, as you know, um, they tend to abuse that power. And... You know, they they don't do it in a destructive way. In, in the case of um, uh, James Allen Hayes winning the lottery, but well, I guess if if you look at you know certain years, not even that, you could say yeah, it'd do damage to him personally, but he really didn't do damage to anybody else. But um, so let's let's start in on his story. I, We'll just kind of gloss over some of these details. I think it's instructive. No, let's a little let's bit drill into childhood. it. First off, uh, I'll, set this up and I'll set this up, Chris, and on the other side of the break, you can drill into his personal life. James okay. Allen Hayes was a young man who grew up 20 minutes from the beach in a middle-class city of Camarillo, California. At age 13, his mentally ill mom physically abused him and Child Protective Services sent him to live with his grandma. He never knew his dad. Now, I just want to start there and say the poor guy already starts with no father, with a mentally ill mother. He's abused, and the government's involved right from the start of his life. I doubt he has much to do with God. His family's certainly destroyed. 
He doesn't know anything about country except for the society he lives in is hostile and not good. Now, the interesting thing is that town that you mentioned is where I grew up, Chris. No. Camarillo? Yeah. Camarillo is how you it's pronounced. Camar- yeah, well, the, Span- I the Spanish Camarillo. I grew up in Camarillo, California, sir. You We're going to come back. Yeah, roger that. Wow. I even wrestled for Camarillo High School, buddy. All right, hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live, Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman. We're going to tell you about this poor guy the society abused from the start and through the rest of his life. Look, lottery to robbery on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Jeremy Scott. The Pentagon confirms a high-altitude object that entered American airspace was shot down by the military. The object was about the size of a small car, so not similar in size or shape to the high-altitude surveillance balloon that was taken down off the coast of South Carolina. Brigadier General Pat Ryder said it was detected flying over Alaska at about 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. President Biden did give the order to shoot it down on Friday. Efforts are underway to recover debris from the object. The incident comes after a Chinese surveillance balloon flew over the U.S. last week. If Collins reports, it's not clear what the object is or if it's related to the Chinese surveillance balloon. The death toll from Monday's 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Turkey and Syria has topped 24,000. Rescue crews continue to search for survivors. Two women were freed under a collapsed building where they were trapped for days. More than 60 survivors have been pulled from the rubble in the past 24 hours, according to Turkey's vice president. Over a million people have been left homeless. The U.N. says over 5 million people alone in Syria are displaced. Anticipation is building for Sunday's Super Bowl. The mayors of the two cities involved have made their bets. Quentin Lucas in KC believes this is the year. Patrick Mahomes on a bad ankle two weeks ago. Our defense stepping up, last second field goal. So I think we are all coming in as believers. The Chiefs are one and a half point underdogs for good reason, according to Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney. Jalen Hurts is the real deal. We have the best offensive line in the league. Our defense is fierce. We have great receivers, great running backs. Kenny's backing his Eagles with a large pie from Down North Pizza and a six-pack from Philadelphia Brewing Company. Lucas counters with ribs from Gates Barbecue and bottles of Boulevard beer. I'm Rich Johnson. This is USA News. My heart was racing just making spaghetti. I could have waited to tell my doctor, but I didn't wait. I was short of breath just reading a book. I could have delayed telling my doctor, but I didn't wait. They told their doctors and found out they have atrial fibrillation, a condition which makes it about five times more likely to have a stroke. If you have one or more of these symptoms, irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, this is no time to wait. Contact your doctor. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. The Texas Department of Public Safety says no more troopers will be disciplined over the response to the Uvalde mass shooting. They investigated the conduct of seven troopers. One was fired. Another faces termination. Four other troopers have been cleared. A Texas House special committee blamed all the officers for the bungled response to the shooting that killed 21 people. More than 40 state attorneys general are weighing in on a landmark lawsuit that seeks to overturn the Food and Drug Administration's approval of abortion pills. A suit filed in Texas last November. 
Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman on your radio with Chris Carlson. This poor guy grew up in Camarillo, California. A very normal, middle-class town, ladies and gentlemen. That's where I grew up, so I know a lot about it. Uh, anyway, it's a little bit more than middle-class, though. It's a pretty nice place to live. Uh, but it's a middle-class city, no question. It's a very uh, reasonably small town, a town of about probably 70,000 people, uh, 60,000 kind of range. Uh, a great place to grow up and live in the, in the yesteryear. But, boy, this guy got a, a bad rap for his whole life thus far, and it ruined his life. Chris? It really did. So at age 35, I mean, he's living a kind of a work-a-day bloke type of life. He buys a quick-pick lottery ticket at a USA gas station, and this is 1998, and he wins a big. He he won $19 million. Of course, after the government gets their cut, it, it ended up being more like $13.7 million. But still, I mean, you could you could manage to live on $13.7 million, Sam. I think I could manage. I just put myself on a salary of about and $120,000, and then I just ignore the right. rest, Chris. Well, that wasn't enough for him. Yeah, you, you, that would last you the rest of your life. But uh, he decided that six hundred eighty-four grand for the next twenty years. Now, why he would limit it to twenty years? I mean, the guy was thirty-five years old. I mean, you still have a lot of life to live, assuming you're going to live that long. Why would he do that? I would have stretched that out. If I knew that I was not responsible with money, which he was not, I would have stretched that out, you know, until I'm at least 90 and I want money like you would be content with than me. Anyway, he started living a very, very lavish lifestyle. He says, I raced Lamborghinis with Mario Andretti. I own six different Lambos. I'm a car guy, Bentleys, Porsches, Corvettes, etc. I own beachfront houses, had an actress girlfriend, you name it, I've probably done it, wrote hey. So he's he's a little bit braggadocious as well. I mean he's really reveling in the fact that uh, he's a he's a rich person at this point. Okay. Things changed, and I think um and he had some back problems too. So that kind of plays into it and I don't know how much of that was legit. He also has some, um, well, I mean, I don't mean to suggest that he was lying about his back problems, but he did <laughs> turn for the worse. When he started using OxyContin and got addicted to OxyContin, and then he discovered that uh, street drugs like um, cocaine were actually cheaper than OxyContin. So he started uh, buying street drugs. Okay, now this is during the time that he was pulling down $684,000 a year, Sam, mind you. And uh, and I think his drug habit is probably one of the worst decisions he made. And he also had some depression, which I'm sure um, factored into to a lot of the decisions he made. And another aspect of this whole scenario, Sam, is that he had what his girlfriend describes as survivor's guilt. Now, what survivor's guilt is you, you feel like you don't deserve the money in this case. Um, and you feel like in order to rationalize being able to receive that money, you, you have to share it with friends and family. And that can actually become an addiction, believe it or not. You know, you, you'd think it doesn't sound, uh, uh, it sounds counterintuitive. Let me put it that way. But actually giving your money away can become addictive because then, you know, people praise you and laud you and treat you differently. And that, And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that he lost his money within about... 
oh, it's, I think it was about seven years. He had to literally declare bankruptcy. Anyway, so he was uh, he was given Vicodin, Norco, OxyContin, and he said, I started to need a stronger and stronger dose. And that's the case with a lot of drugs, Sam. Um, you become, um, you develop a tolerancy for those drugs, uh, which means you have to take more and more every time to get the same effect. And that's why maintaining a habit of using drugs is not sustainable. It never was and it never will be. Um, your body produces natural drugs. Now, as far as his back was concerned and he needing painkillers, I get that. So I don't know what the solution in his particular case would have been. Um, but maintaining a habit of using cocaine that you buy from the street on a regular basis can really, really drain your funds. So let's see, where are we, are we going with this? Crazy friends. So eventually, so in January 2017, um, and he was broke by then because of uh, – Right, can I stop you for a second, Chris, just for a, 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 a something okay, that kind of is interesting. He took 20 payments of big money, $600,000 per year he wanted to live on for 20 payments. All right? But the Sam Bushman plan, I would take 120000 a year, I told you, remember? So yeah, now you got to divide $13.6 million divided by 120000 it's gonna add, it's gonna last me 113.33 years if I do that, sir. And so if yeah. I was 37 like him at the time, it's gonna way outlast me. There's no doubt about it. And that's if that's right. um, I don't find ways to make enough money with that money that I'm not touching or that I'm not even in charge of. Holy, my board is my my uh, financial advisory board is in charge of that money. Uh, if I don't, if I can make enough money then it's not going to lose any money. My $120,000 payments should be easy to make on the interest of $13.6 million. Now, look, if you make, what, 10% interest on $13 million, how much is it? Um, well, it's 100 well, God, I mean, that, Yeah, 13 million, 10% is 1.3 million, right? Yeah, 1.3 million, yeah. I can't All right, admit. so 5% is half of that, which is like, the amount of payments he took, right? Yes. So even at 5% interest, my money will be making five times the amount I'm taking. So even when I take my $120,000, understand that I'm growing by a half a million dollars a year at the least. Woo. All right. Uh, yeah. Now let me, let me put this in perspective even further. You say, well, Sam, you can't get 5% interest all the time. Yes, I can. All I got to do is take my $13 million, all I got to do is go find the most responsible people that I can find and give them a loan on their home. All I got to do is loan money on people's homes. And now my money's mm -hmm. divided up. Let's say that it's $300,000 a house to be simple. I've got about 40 houses that I now have equity in until I'm paid back. And my money is safe in 40 places, 40 stable job holders can make sure that I'm okay. And I don't need to do a single thing. I don't need to lift a finger. Now, if one of those 40 fails, that's okay. It doesn't really matter much because I only lent them $330,000 of my money, right? So I yes. don't need to even really worry about that because if I pick the right people, if I have the, the board and the right financial advisors, find the people that, that you know, I mean, I'm going to look for people that have stable, stable, stable jobs. 
the people that bring in stable money, the people that manage their money well. I can find those people easily. And then I'm going to put my money there. And now my money makes literally one point, or I'm sorry, literally about $650,000 a year all by itself. And all I'm taking is $120,000. Imagine that, people. At the end of my life, I can make sure that I send the money to worthy people and causes who will use it wisely and carefully. And let me tell you how I would structure that. I would not give people chunks of money on my death. I would give people steady, tiny stipends just like I took. Yes. So I would give, for example, just say the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Would I give them a gazillion dollars? No, I might give them 5000 a month, 10000 a month. I might give Liberty News Radio or Liberty Roundtable Live $5,000 a month. And it would last for as long as my board feels like they are carrying their mission. In other words, true to their mission. If they're not true to their mission, the money's gone. If they're true to their mission, the money is stable as a rock. That's personally how I would manage money. Anyway, I don't want to spend time on Sam Bushman. I want to highlight the contrast is what I'm getting at. What's the difference? I've been taught to manage money right. I had an appropriate upbringing. This poor guy never had a chance, Chris. He didn't. And you, you got to feel sorry for a guy like that. You know, growing up without a father, obviously his mother was abusive. Yeah, so you, you feel for him, but still, that shouldn't be an excuse to behave the way he did. And um, but he did, you know. Hopefully, he learned from his experience. I think he's out of. He had in January of 2017. This is after he lost everything because his ex-wife took half of it, and then he just he he would uh, take out loans against future lottery payments, and eventually he ended that. So he uh, there was a fire that ran through the complex that he lived in. And we will continue that thought on the other side of the break. Bottom line is he flat out melted down, and we need to discuss what is true wealth. We'll do that in seconds. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine. 
the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com You gotta ask the question, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman on your radio. What is true wealth? Investment in knowledge pays the best dividends, says Benjamin Franklin. I agree with him partially. But let's talk about this, though. This poor guy melted down. He ditched the wife he, or the girl he was shacking up with for 15 years, got a younger, you know, traded him for a younger model woman. Uh, then he melted down with her. You know, look, things just don't go well. You lose sight of everything important, ladies and gentlemen. Your world, your view, your understanding, your beliefs all change as you love money and forget God. Uh, but what is true wealth, Chris? That's really where we got to finish this discussion up, right? Yeah, I, I do want to make sure we have plenty of time. So let's go ahead and transition to what is true wealth. You, you mentioned Benjamin Franklin. And, yeah, obviously you have to have money to pay your bills. But knowledge is, is pretty high up there. And the reason he said that, and I, I don't know if he said it for the same reason I agree with him on that, is because, you know, when you pass to the other side of the veil, Sam, you can't bring any of your money or your material possessions. What you can bring with you is your knowledge. And I believe that. In fact, I believe that whatever principle of intelligence we attain unto in this life, it will rise with us in the resurrection. And if a person gains more knowledge and intelligence in this life through his or her diligence and obedience than another, he will have so much or she will have so much the advantage in the world to come. And that's a, a quote from uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Scripture. And I believe that. There, there's something, uh, well, obviously we can't bring any of our wealth with us. Uh, but I believe that that's something that's lost on a lot of modern-day Christians, unfortunately, Sam. So knowledge is is up there. But as far as, I mean, you obviously need money to get by on a day-to-day -day basis in this world. And it's important that you be able to provide sufficiently for your family. Let's let's see what Zig Ziglar. So Zig Ziglar is a motivational speaker. He talks a lot about uh, gaining wealth. He says, rich people have small TVs and big libraries. And poor people have small libraries and big TVs. So, you know, to tie into the whole knowledge aspect of wealth, that's true. You know, rich people probably don't worry about, you know, who they're going to have over for the Super Bowl, for example. You know, they probably, um, well, I'm not going to say they probably use the Sabbath day for what it was intended, but a lot of them do. Um, I know I do, and I think the Lord has enriched me for for having made that decision. Uh, to, to keep the Sabbath day holy. And, of course, that's just part, part and parcel to uh, everything that we need to be doing. So John Jacob Astor said, well... Think about that Zig Ziglar comment really quick, though. You know what? 
rich people have small TVs and big libraries. Poor people have big TVs and small libraries. Why is that? Because rich people understand the value of an importance of knowledge. And I'm not saying knowledge is not important. It's, vi- it's vital. There's no doubt about it. But I believe there's other things more important than even knowledge, or at least equivalent to knowledge, so to speak. We'll get to that in just a minute. But it's also interesting to note that every day is a bank account, Chris. I really like that. Uh, Time, and time is our currency. No one is rich, no one is poor. We've got 24 hours each. Ain't that the truth, Sam? I mean, it doesn't matter how rich you are. And I know some pretty rich people. I work for them as a a window washer. And they have just as much time in the course of the day as you and I do, Sam. And um, I had a a rich uh, customer of mine just recently lose his loved wife of probably 60-some years. And um, all the money in the world, and this guy has a lot of money, uh, is going to bring that wife back. So we need to put things into perspective. We need and to that really, hold that on, let me stop you there. And that really puts it in perspective. Travel. He's got all the money in the world, and he would love to bring his wife back. Money can't get it done. All right? And this is why I teach that God, family, and country is so critical. Who's the richest person to ever live, Chris? Um, be besides God, <laughs> or well, I don't know what um, you mean. What is what does God mean, Chris? Are we including divinity in this equation? Uh, the richest person to ever live on the earth, uh huh? Like Bill Gates. Okay, right now I think it's um, Elon Musk. At least they tell hey, us. You want to know who I but think it is? But we know that the, the big Jewish bankers are rich. Yeah, it. I think it's Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, you got a good point right. there. Everything that he focused on generates wealth, okay? Every day is a bank account. Time is our currency, all right? Wealth is largely the result of habit. John Jacob Master highlighted that reality. But look, you got to understand this. What is wealth? Is wealth just gauged by money? See, I don't think so. The guy that makes five grand a month but can live on one is pretty wealthy, Chris. Yep. The guy that makes a million dollars a year but spends two million is broke. All right, but money doesn't define wealth and money doesn't really define happiness. Let me give you an example. The guy that dresses modestly, even, well, his clothes are kind of in tatters. But he washes those clothes and keeps them clean. He combs his hair. He tries to be dignified with the best that he has. In my opinion, that guy's wealthy because he understands his inner soul. Okay? And that's what Christ taught us all. Christ was homeless, they say, right? Uh, For a long time during his ministry, he didn't have a place to live. Yeah, he said foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But yeah, but he was incredibly wealthy because he understood relationships yes. and he understood love and he understood his place before God and his place with those around him. And oh, could we learn these principles? You can take love and kindness and charity with you to the next life too. So it's, although it's important to be knowledgeable, you can't be saved faster than you have knowledge. I agree. But if you don't learn charity and learn the love of God, 
all the knowledge in the world won't do any good. Satan's a pretty smart oh. guy. Oh, yeah. But it didn't save oh, him yeah, a bit, did it? It didn't do him nope. any good because he lacks that fundamental reality, the love of God or charity, whatever you want to call it, uh, that, that it takes. And so I submit to you that learning these fundamental saving principles that relate to the kingdom of God, charity, knowledge, temperance, patience, kindness, the Bible lists them, those things bring real wealth. Chris? Yeah, because ultimately you have to live with yourself, Sam, and uh, that can either be a curse or a blessing. You know, you have to live with the person that you look at every morning in the mirror. And, um, yeah, I would like to think that uh, I can live with the person I look in the mirror at every morning. And if I can't, then it doesn't matter how much money I have. My life's going to be miserable because, um, you know, that, that that's who ultimately through the eternities I have to live with as well. And if I'm not a good person, I won't be able to return to live with my Heavenly Father in the kingdom of heaven. And for me, that is just not acceptable. So while we're here on this earth, it doesn't matter how much money we make, uh, as long as we use the resources that, that, God, that God has blessed us with uh, to provide for our families a sufficient amount of clothing and shelter, etc., and that we uh, love our neighbors as ourselves. And that's and why that's my basically buddy Chris Carlson fundamental is... principle upon which I live my that's why my buddy Chris Carlson is, is starting to adjust his time schedule to spend more time on the sacred cause of yeah. liberty and a little less time making cash, making bread. But it reminds me of two country songs. Yeah. One of them uh, was, um, you know, I don't remember the, the, the title or whatever, but uh, it, it has to do with a trailer hitch. And the point of the song was, how many Hursts have a trailer hitch? <laughs> <laughs> his point his point yeah. was you know what in the end of the day you can't take nothing with you there's another right, country song right. by keith urban called by the grace of god go i and he talks about this man who's wealthy and he sits alone in his wealthy house and in his rich house surrounded by all of his things but the rich man's incredibly poor because he has nothing yes he doesn't have love he doesn't have friends he doesn't have and he's all alone surrounded by his things yes. And so the reason that we spend so much time on this, ladies and gentlemen, is look, power yep. and fame and money and prestige. We need to not seek for power. We need to seek to pull it down, Chris. We don't need to seek to get wealthy. Yeah, we got to fund our families. Sure. I get it. You got to you gotta do But this balance of where you spend your time matters most. Are you going to spend your time on God, family, and country? And that's really the quintessential point we're trying to make in an effort to encourage you and us because we need to remind ourselves often and remind each other often uh, as well. You know what? We want to lead with love. We want to learn from the master. And we want to put our lives in perspective uh, in meaningful ways that build relationships, that ways that, that preserve the nation, ways that tie us to God, Chris. And it's all part and parcel with uh, exaltation. If we're not engaged in the fight for liberty in this life, in the world to come, and that is the ultimate goal, you know, to, to become the, the best people that we can become. And it starts right here in this life. And this is a test. Um, 
possibly you know, get certain aspects of it, thinking that, you know, we'll, we'll do other aspects that are a little safer and, you know, don't uh, don't bother people, don't ruffle any feathers. Well, we're shunning our responsibility. We need to ruffle feathers. If you're not ruffling feathers nowadays, Sam, you're not engaged fully in the cause. And we need to be. We need to realize that um, the things that are required of us by God in this life are going to ruffle feathers and are going to take us out of our comfort zones. And if we're not there yet, why not? You're shirking your duty. You need to ruffle feathers. I mean, we need to shake up I, Satan's kingdom. I, do, do I ru- ruffle feathers there, Chris? Do I do, I do that? Oh, my gosh. You ruffle my feathers, Sam. <laughs> hey, Sometimes. there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get her done. We're taking care of business, ladies and gentlemen. We are about our Father's business after the pattern of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a work to do. Let's get on our knees and repent before God Almighty, and then let's get up and be all about it, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a work to perform. Time is running short. We've got limited days on this earth, and we need to use them incredibly wisely and i pray that we follow the the leadership of the savior jesus christ we literally embrace the pattern he has set forth and the way we best get to know him is by learning to imitate his behavior to learn to uh, 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 gain some of the attributes he has by partially our hard work and mostly by his grace Now, we're all saved by his grace completely. Don't get me wrong. However, I say that we have a role to play. We have agency, and we are man. We're not animals. And we have a responsibility to use our agency to become a disciple, a follower of Christ. Wrap it up for us, Chris. Yes, sir. Without God, we cannot win, Sam. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving patriots everywhere, continuing our duty, sir. Roger that. Thank you so much. Incredible couple of hours, starting with the pros of Thomas Paine, ending with God, family, and country, as we always do on your radio. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone up and down the line, from those who produce the broadcast to everyone of you who listen. Please donate and get involved in the fight. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.